Hi, everyone. It's your host, Liz, and welcome back to the podcast. Each week, I interview the new generation of New York City hustlers, creators, and dreamers. Today, I'm speaking with Casey Nelson, the founder and creator of lifestyle blog, The Pretty Little Hustler. In this episode, you will hear Casey and I talk about the challenges and upsides of living in New York City, how her and her blog have evolved since 2017, and the trending topic of hustle culture. This is Realistically with Liz. Hi, Casey. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yes, I'm really excited to chat with you today and have you tell us a little bit more about your life in New York City, your blogging experience. So I want to just take us back to the beginning and really just have you walk the audience through where you grew up and kind of like where you were at when you had that like aha moment that you wanted to move to New York City. Yeah, so I am actually from Philadelphia. I lived in and around Philly for my whole life. My family's from Philly, so, you know, we go deep there. Go Eagles. Any Eagles fans out there? But um, I realized, so I think my New York dream, we'll call it, started my freshman year of high school. I'm going to age myself right now, but my best friend at the time and I went to a Trey Songs concert up in New York, and it was our first time going to New York. We were so excited. And I just remember getting off the train and just seeing like the lights in Times Square, all the buildings and just so many people and just being like, wow, this energy is crazy. Like, I, I love this place. But it was such a whirlwind night. We were here for maybe five minutes before we went to the concert venue, saw the concert and literally left immediately since we were in high school. And I think it might have been a school night. So that was the beginning. Right. And then in college, I realized again that New York felt like it was calling me like I really just knew there was more opportunity there for what I wanted to do and it was close to home so I was like I think we're gonna go to New York this is it so when did you finally take that leap and decide to go like was it after college like where did like where did you see yourself in your timeline like coming to New York I wanted to go to New York immediately after college. So I remember senior year, I was in the advertising program and I was doing all this creative design and stuff for that. And I just knew I wanted to work in-house at brands. So I did some research, obviously, and pretty much every brand you can think of is headquartered in New York or has an office in New York. And I was like, okay, cool. That's pretty, pretty easy then. I guess I know where I'm going. And then even just on top of that, I was watching Gossip Girl for the very first time. Highly recommend if you haven't watched it on Netflix, by the way. And obviously, I mean, Gossip Girl set in New York and it has all the iconic shots and it just, uh, it was just like, oh, this is, this is my city. I have to get there. I just want to be Blair Waldorf and live on the Upper East Side. And yeah, so right after college, I was like, all right, we're applying to jobs every single day. We're going to New York and that's it. All I want to say is hashtag Team Blair <laughs> and not Serena. No, I, I just remember watching Gossip Girl too. Like, and just, I don't even, well, I actually looked it up recently. It came out in 2007. So I was definitely still yeah. in high school too. And it was great. Like, I remember um, like watching it and then like going to school the next day and like, talk, oh my God, did you watch it? Did you do like, you know, and I never thought that that would like influence my decision to come to New York. Uh, I think it definitely influenced just me wanting to work in fashion and kind of seeing everything that, you know, was centered in New York and like having those like 
you know, different opportunities, whether it was like Blair's mom being a designer or like Jenny wanting to do whatever she was doing. And it was so, it was such a creative show too. And I feel like for them being in high school, like there hadn't been really a show about New York city that was like that since like sex in the city. Right. Right. Like in terms of like fashion, social class, everything, like it was definitely still very sex in the city, but it was just from the perspective of people that we can kind of see ourselves in. So I feel like that was really cool for, you know, obviously us that were in high school at the same time. And we're just like, okay, (laughs) my high school experience is not this wild. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just so cool. And I just remember watching it like, oh, I need to be there. Yeah. I want to go on the Met steps, need some yogurt with my best friends. I mean, come on. For sure. So I want to ask like, how many years have you been here? Like, what was that first year? Like, did you go sit at the Met steps? Like, what was your experience like? (laughs) Yeah. So I, I did not immediately sit at the Met steps, unfortunately, but I, so I graduated from college in 2015 and I moved here that September, or I guess kind of that August. It, It gets fuzzy because when I got my job, in August, my boyfriend and I moved up here and we actually lived in Airbnbs for three weeks before we found our place. So each week, you know, I mean, we were broke college kids, right? So each week, one of our parents would pay for our Airbnb for the week. And we would literally stay in New York from Monday to Friday. I would go to work, boyfriend was interviewing, and then we would come home to Philly on Saturday and Sunday and then like come right back up on Monday morning. It was insane but that's what we did until we found our apartment in September that year and I mean it was crazy we moved here literally with I think we each had a suitcase and an air mattress and a tv and that was like literally all we had so I remember I went to work we got our apartment I went to work and I came home and my boyfriend had actually like set up our new apartment like with all of our three things and it was it was just the sweetest gesture and I thought it was so cute and I was like wow, guys, like we really made it here. Even though we're sitting here with a little air mattress and a TV on the floor, like, I mean, I think we ordered pizza for like our first meal. It was just, oh God, those were the days. (laughs) Yeah. It really is like little moments like that, that you kind of like take for granted, but then you're like, oh my God, like that happened. Like I, I feel like similarly when I moved into a new place with with my boyfriend, like the first apartment we shared, I think it was like overnight he had like built something. And like, I don't know, it's just like those small gestures that then you're like, oh my God, look, there's something in the apartment now. Like, I mean, something in the apartment. Oh my gosh, maybe we can do this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, I definitely had more than one suitcase. I had a lot of baggage after (laughs) living here for quite some time. And also over the years, um, yeah, I mean, I, I went to school for fashion. So over the years, I think just with different jobs too, and like different, you know, loving to shop and like working in retail, I had consumed a lot of things basically. So it was like hard to let go of a lot of things. Um, so it, yeah, it was just really refreshing. I think that when you get that first apartment too, it's just like, oh my God, like, yes, I've, I've done it. Like you can check that off the list. I'm here. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge thing, right? Getting your first apartment in New York city it's like, until that moment, it's all just a dream. You hope you're going to make it here. You hope you can live here and you just want to get your New York journey going. And then, but all of that hinges on having a place to live. Um, So until you do that, you're just kind of floating and then you get this place 
and it's probably the size of a shoebox and maybe you don't have a dishwasher and maybe you have a loud neighbor and like it's fine you're just like you know what it's okay I can make it now that I have this one little space to like come home to every day I can like hustle and grind every day and live my dream and just come back to this little box and eventually maybe you'll get into a bigger shoebox but <laughs> Uh, well, well, well said there. <laughs> like, I never want to be discouraging to the audience, but you know, I'm really like, you gotta know that you're definitely not paying for space or you right. are paying for space because right. it's, it's super difficult, especially again, like, you know, this podcast is a lot, we, we talk a lot about just, you know, people that are, that have moved here out of college, you know, you don't have a lot of money. Like you're trying to really you know, get into that financial saving mode. Like, obviously you're just like, yeah, I'm out of college. I'm free. Uh, but it's a lot. It's so much, especially to get an apartment here. Like I could only imagine like, you know, doing Airbnbs like every week. It's definitely, you know, super challenging. And, you know, on top of that, I wanted to ask you like, what were, what were some other roadblocks that you faced besides just like, you know, getting that apartment and, you know, after that, like, what was like your next step? Like at that point, like you have, you both were interviewing. So, you know, were you then like, just, did you like land on a job? Did, you know, everything work out? Like, were you kind of like on your way? Yeah. So we got the apartment. I had my, my, my freelance job at the time. I'll even say, um, I'm a graphic designer. FYI. So I was a freelance designer at one Kings lane, the home decor company which I think now is owned by Bed Bath & Beyond, but at the time it was not owned by them yet. So I got this job and I actually loved it. I mean, I have nothing but like positive things to say about it. I was like, oh my gosh, if I just like work really hard, they'll convert me to a full-time position and I'll just be here and it'll be great. And I, I love it. Um, that quickly changed. So as I mentioned, I was hired for that in September and, or sorry, August. And that Christmas, I think it must have been a week before Christmas, they had a whole company-wide meeting and announced that they were being acquired and they're actually laying off a quarter of the company. So that was like this earth-shattering moment. And I remember being, you know, a naive, just recent graduate. And I'm like, oh, I hope my job is still safe. And, you know, as a freelancer, spoiler alert, it was not safe at all. Uh, all freelancers were cut as part of that 25%. And I remember just getting noticed that like today was my last day i cleaned up my desk and called my boyfriend to come pick me up because we still had my car in the city at the time he came and got me and i just i think i just sobbed for the rest of the day and i just called my mom and i was just so upset like i failed already like can i even make it in this city i mean what am i gonna do now it's christmas time i don't have a job i mean you know full-on spiral one thing about me guys is that i will spiral if something goes wrong so full-on spiral mode and I think that was just one of one of the first occasions that taught me you know just to keep going it's gonna be okay you know the city was going to knock you on your butt sometimes and you just got to get back up and it's fine if you really want to be here and I believe you do if you're here then you'll be okay there are more opportunities coming your way there always are and just keep your head down and keep working and it worked out you know spoiler alert I'm here and I'm still in New York with a new job so it's fine yeah no I I definitely you know 
in reference to what you just said, like, it's really all about, you know, keeping your head up. And I mean, you said keeping your head down, but just like, in terms of like focusing, not in terms of like keep down. Um, But yeah, I mean, staying positive, it's, you know, it's really easy for us to like go into, I feel like, take on this like negative energy that's around us, especially, you know, um, for anybody that's like lost job, like sometimes you think it's never going to happen to you. You think you're the hardest worker and then it happens. And it's the, the forces sometimes are out of your control. Like it's not, you know, in this particular case, it's, it's, it wasn't your performance. It wasn't any of that. It was, you know, acquirement, like restructuring, which happens, you know, every day with so many companies and, you know, you're, your only hope is to be part of a company that's, you know, acquired. And then you're also part of that growth that they're going to experience. But again, it's not always the case. So yeah, it's something that you kind of just have to deal with. Like, I I think that, you know, in anyone's career path, it's, I think talking about having a linear career path is, is kind of impossible and not just in New York city, but just in general, Mm -hmm. I think if you want to constantly keep growing and evolving your skill set, then you have to kind of go in different ways. Like whether it's like, I feel like there's like a, I want to say there's like a meme maybe about like what it means, like being an entrepreneur, like working and it's like a flat line. And then it's kind of like an up and down, like hill um, set. I don't know why that came to mind, but I think that that's really it. Like, you know, having a linear career path is just it's difficult and it's not, you know, whether or not you're like kind of staying focused in the same field you mentioned that you do graphic design, like it's for a lot of people, you know, that's still a creative field. So there's different opportunities there too, um, with what you can do with your, with, you know, with what you did in school, which leads me to my next question, which is, you know, what was that kind of ideal, like, you know, career path that you saw yourself going into? Like, what was your dream job, quote unquote, like after college? Yeah. I mean, first of all, you said it perfectly. I mean, you, there is no linear career path, I feel like. I think part of that also comes just from, you know, our parents are, what are they? They're like Gen X or baby boomers? Our parents, baby boomers, I think. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, and they all had these careers that were 20, 30 years, 40 years long. And, you know, they were the king of keeping your head down and staying at a job and, you know, whether you liked it or not. And so I think we all have this idea that, yeah, this is what I want to do. I'm going to go do that and it'll be fine. And sometimes, yeah, things are just out of your control and companies shift and change and being laid off or being fired or furloughed, like that isn't always a reflection of your work and, you know, or like it's not a reflection of you. It's sometimes it's completely out of your control and it happens and it's not, you can't take it personal. You have to just keep moving. So any college kids out there, if you're listening, that just relax, it's fine. It's not the end of the world. Um, but onto your other question in college. So I went to the university of Miami in Florida and I was in the creative advertising program, which at that school pretty much means you're doing graphic design, but they kind of have you focusing on graphic design for advertising. So I, in that program learned quickly that I didn't like advertising at all. Uh, but I love design. I loved being creative and I just knew I wanted to go in-house to a brand or work in a magazine. Again, aging myself, but at the time, print magazines weren't completely dead. They were like still pretty cool. And I just had this, you know, dream of like working for Cosmo or something in the design department or being a super high level executive in a fashion brand. So 
that's what I did. When I graduated, I just knew I wanted to apply to magazines and other lifestyle brands and fashion brands in the city. And that, like I said, that's what I'm doing now, which is really cool. Uh, a lot of people, I think, you know, they have their major, but not everyone finds a job within their major. So I feel just incredibly lucky that I found something I was passionate about and kind of made it happen for myself in my dream city. I just feel incredibly fortunate. And yeah. I think in a lot of cases, like very similar to what you just said, it's not always so common to find your job in that same major that you went into, like what your focus was in college for four years and then you get into the workforce and then it's like completely different because you either, you know, maybe you find a job that you really love or maybe you just have to take a job because you have to pay rent. It's definitely like the shift is, is so real that you're like, oh, okay, like I'm not necessarily doing what, you know, my professors told me I was going to be doing or what they did in their career, which is still so different. I feel like too, like when you have professors that are like not so modern and they're like, <laughs> yeah, well, this is what I did and I blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my God, like those jobs don't exist. Like, or people my age are taking your jobs and it's, you know, and it's so many different things. And again, it goes back to things just not being linear right? You have this idea, you're going to do this major, you're going to get this job and so on and so forth. But it doesn't always happen. For me, I knew I wanted to go into fashion, like graphic design for a fashion brand was the ultimate goal. Fashion magazine, fashion brand, one of those. And so my path, even though eventually it got me there, I'm working for a fashion brand now, I had to move to New York and work for a home brand, then got a job with a beauty brand, then another beauty brand, and then got into fashion. So I mean, you just have to you kind of have to ebb and flow with, with, with the times pretty much. And, you know, eventually you'll get there. You'll get where you're trying to go or you'll find something better, which is a win-win. I think also taking different opportunities allows you to just really challenge yourself and, and really just like expand on your skill set because every job is going to require something different. Like job descriptions, even though they look black and white, there's so much more involved once you actually take on a role than what you think it is like when you're interviewing for it. So, yeah. you know, even when you mentioned like your end goal was wanting to work for magazines, like, I mean, I mean, you're older than you are. <laughs> like I, magazines were everything. Like you go back, Devil Wars product came out in 2006. Like we wanted to be Andy Sachs. Like, well, at least I did. But, you know, working for a magazine, seeing how it all works, like, you know, I love still picking up a magazine. Like, I love going to, like, the shop on Mulberry, I think it is, or on Kenmar. They have, like, there's this one, like, shop that's just, like, the windows are wrapped around in in magazines. And I love seeing that. Like, it just, like, brings joy to my heart, like, picking it up. And it's just, like, ads and, like, the thought behind it. A magazine still, I think, holds, like, such value and like for me like I definitely have like some keepsake ones in my apartment that are probably like the death of me every time I'm moving because it's like all these like massive magazines and like these like coffee table books that I'll be like yes I need this in my life and then I feel like it's different when you don't live with someone that's like on a creative level so they're like there's just pictures in these things. Like there's no, no, it's so much I, more. <laughs> like, no, it's great. Like it's so, it just like gives you, I don't know. It makes you feel a certain way. And it's definitely, you know, it's an, an important part of like, you know, just kind of seeing like where this industry has like gone to. Totally, totally. And going back to what you said about, I mean, just all the different opportunities along the way helped you build your skill set for where you want to go. I think that is so real. I swear, even every job that I get, I feel like they talk about how they're so glad I have experience from the job before it. 
if I didn't have those beauty jobs and the home decor job before fashion, I wouldn't know a lot of the skills I came into the fashion brand with, which ultimately the ones that got me the job. So it's like, yeah, Casey from 2015, who knew she was just ready to jump right into the fashion world, probably wasn't so ready. And so it's good that I put in that time and worked all, the, all these other places and all these other brands and got that experience so that now when I was ready for that job, I could actually do it and do it well. So I think that's also just important to note about, you know, a non-linear experience and taking other opportunities that you might not be so sure about. You just never know how that's going to impact you and impact your story and how it can just change everything for the better. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, again, it's really easy to get caught up in just like when you're reading a job description and you're like, okay, like it, it, you know, you might not know what that company has to offer yet, what that position has to offer yet. And it's really what you put into it. And if you, you know, say you want to work on certain projects and you, you know, challenge yourself to like learn more and do more, that's really how you keep evolving. And then that's how you, I think, slowly figure out what you do and what you don't like. And we've talked about that on this podcast a lot too, with people that have, you know, pivoted in their careers that, you know, at one point they thought I need to just stay in this one lane. And a lot of times, you know, we've had some girls on here and they're like, look, I don't want to be in one lane. I want to be able to like be the driver, like not just be in the passenger seat of things, which is so interesting because you're seeing that more and more. It's not just that, you know, we're, you know, millennials, we're not like our parents that we love kind of, you know, dipping our toes in everything. You know, I feel like we should, like if the opportunity is there and it presents itself, then why not? Like, it's kind of like you, you should take the leap. You should do it. Exactly. Couldn't agree more. So, you know, as we're talking about career paths and everything, 2020 obviously hit, things have gotten a little crazy. So what are you doing now and how has, you know, how have things changed a little bit in kind of like your day to day? Yeah. So now, like I said, I'm doing graphic design for a fashion brand. We obviously are in a pandemic and, you know, the times of COVID. So back in March, we shifted to remote working and we've been working from home ever since which is, I mean, crazy to think about since we are now into fall and in the springtime, we just thought we'd be back in the office in summer. Um, I'm still doing that every day, Monday to Friday, full time. And then on the weekends or nights, I'm working on my blog, which has been nice having that time at home and kind of a little bit more freedom to work that in when I can. Tell me a little bit more about your blog. You still have your nine to five. And obviously this is more of like a creative outlet, a focus that you do on your off time. So when did you launch your blog? What was the idea behind it? Has it changed since you started it? Like, has it evolved as you've evolved and, you know, how you've grown over the years? Yeah. So I launched my blog, The Pretty Little Hustler in September of 2017. So I actually just celebrated three years with that, which is insane to think it's been three years, Uh, but also, I mean, hopefully so many more to go. Uh, And that was pretty much born just from a need for actual creativity. So at the time I was working at a really large beauty brand and on a freelance capacity again, and I just found myself really bored at work. They were kind of in the middle of a transition and I had some free time. So I would scroll these blogs all day and just see what everyone was up to. And eventually I was just like, 
you know what? I could probably do that. Like I wish I had a website that I owned and could control because also being a graphic designer, something maybe you haven't heard if you are in the creative industry or if you are, part of being a designer is taking a lot of feedback from others, which is fine. I mean, that's the name of the game. It's part of the job, but it ends up sometimes making you create things that you aren't proud of or that you don't love. So the kind of person that I am, that was becoming really frustrating. I was tired of designing things that I had no creative control over. I was tired of designing things that were changing every other day based on everyone else's opinions. And so I just was like, all right, we're just going to start a blog. I'm going to own it completely. And I'm going to share my New York story. For me, it was really just like, I want to be a resource for other girls like me who are just graduating college. They want to move to New York or maybe they don't want to move to New York, they want to move to a different big city, and they want to figure out how to do that, how to still be fashionable, but have affordable clothing, and beauty, I mean, just a resource for almost anything. So that was kind of the birth of my blog, and it also kind of serves now as a bit of a diary for me, like I get to document my life there, and I can look back at any moment in the last three years, and there's something there talking about, you know, an experience, or a memory, and I mean, there's so many photos God, we shoot so many photos. So it's, it's cool to look back and see all these memories and all these things that maybe you might have forgotten otherwise, but they're literally documented on the internet for everyone to see, nonetheless. But it's cool. So that was really the birth of it. And it's definitely evolving every day, but I'm really happy and I'm, I hope that it can just keep growing. I love that. I honestly, I when I first checked out your blog, I loved just the the logo, how you had styled it with like New York City in mind, like with the Empire State Building and the little taxi cab. I was like, oh, I was like, yes. Like that reminds me of like New York, like immediately, which so great job there. (laughs) I love the fact that you, you know, kind of just decided to own your own creative space. You know, with freelance, maybe out of college, you thought that definitely not the the steadiest way um, to have a job, but like over time, you know, now five plus years working in like different freelance capacities, you know what you're worth, you know your limits, you know what you do want to do. You just figure out as you go what you really need to, you know, put an effort into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, also just working for how many companies? I think I've worked for five companies now, five companies in five years. And throughout all of them, I've met really awesome people, right? I mean, the city is full of incredible people. And so each of them, I feel like, has impacted me and helped me grow as a designer and as a creative. And I mean, they're all inspiring in their own ways. And so I feel like there's a little part of each of them and things that they taught me, technically speaking, in my site, especially now this year, I've really tried to, I mean, as recently as this month, even, I've decided to really bring in more graphic design with my blog, since I think that is something that could make it stand out. You know, it isn't just any old blog. I'm also a designer, and I take a lot of pride in that. So. I like to design collages and mood boards and just put a little bit of extra effort and oomph into it. And I couldn't do that without all of my incredible art directors and people that I've worked with throughout all of my experiences. So again, just taking those pieces of all of your experiences, they kind of create you and therefore the things you create (laughs) in a way. No, absolutely. I I have another question about the blog and I don't know if maybe I missed this or blacked out or something. Um, Why did you choose the name The Pretty Little Hustler? Oh, wow. Okay. So God, naming a blog is so hard. That is the first thing I will say. Anyone I've talked to who's like thinking about starting one, they're always like, how did, how do you pick a name? And I'm just like, well, girl, I don't know. It's hard to tell you. 
Um, but my best advice, and this is exactly what I did, was I kind of, I started to make a list in my iPhone of different words that I liked. Literally that simple, like words and phrases that I liked or that I thought described me or what I wanted this blog to be. And so I was kind of playing with different combinations of those words. And then I kind of, I think one of the words was hustle because that's a big part of me. Back in college, I found the quote, good things come to those who hustle. And that has been my mantra ever since. So, you know, shout out to whoever said that on Pinterest. <laughs> um, but so I had hustle on there and I just was like, hustle and hustle and charm, hustle in the city. Like I just, I was thinking of all these combinations and eventually the Pretty Little Hustler came out and I was like, oh yeah, that's me. And so I initially also, when I started my blog, wanted to have, I had what I called hustle tips. And so I had, I think I have a blog post on like five interview tips for new graduates. I have a couple of posts about how to get what you want um, with all my best tips for that. So yeah, I think it was a pretty natural fit once I got there. It took a little bit, but I think it just really encapsulates who I am. And one thing about me is I will always hustle and work because I'm a really ambitious person. And I just really want to set, I really want to hit those goals and dreams I have for myself. So the Pretty Little Hustlers was born. Yeah. I love that you mentioned, you said hustle tips and it just has like a ring to it too. with like the name. It, it kind of just like flows really, really easily. Also just going back. to the end of our conversation, Blair Waldorf again. That girl is the queen of hustling. She is relentless. She is resourceful. And I think also I was channeling her. You know, I told you she was a huge inspiration for me being here. And she's a fictional character, which is crazy to say. But nonetheless, I found her really inspiring. And so that also is part of my hustle mentality is just like work to get what you want. You can do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you know, especially once you actually get your footing and like you move to New York, you start to realize that you're like, okay, you either, I don't want to say you fit in or you don't, but it is kind of like that. Um, that sounds like really harsh and like something mean girls vibes, but I think that you do need to be an an ambitious person to, to live here, but also just like know what direction you want to go into. So, you know, whether it is this field of blogging and, you know, being a designer, doing the freelance thing, or if you come here because you really want more stability and you want to work for a corporate job and you want to have like, you know, that salary, that 401k, there are a lot of different opportunities here, which we've obviously talked about. And once you know what bucket you want to fall into, I think that's really what helps you stay on track as much as possible without the universe getting in the way. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Like, like we've said a few times on here, I mean, the city is tough and it will kick you on your butt. So you have to hustle. You have to really, you know, show that initiative and really just try to make things happen because you're not going to be handed anything here. And again, none of this is to deter people from moving here. It's the best city in the world. Like goes without saying, obviously, but yeah, I mean, you're going to have to work for it. If you want to stay here, you have to work for it. Literally, like I cannot say that enough. Like I, I feel like there's no other way to say it. Like you definitely just have to work. You have to constantly work at it. And you know, whether it is like your hustle mentality or yeah, just wanting to do more, you should always like, that's something that's like part of like the culture here. You're going to see it immediately. And even with the people that live here too, you're going to like feel that energy from them too. Mm -hmm. I also just want to say, because I know this can be taken the wrong way. 
And I think there's been a lot of commentary lately on hustle culture and how yes. it's toxic, you know, millennials are overworking. I mean, totally. And I am not discrediting that. That is so true. And I am the biggest advocate of self-care and giving yourself grace and taking time when you need to recenter. I have a blog post on that too. <laughs> like shameless self-plug there. But <laughs> You know, I am all about balance and hustling when you need to hustle and getting things done, but also remembering to give yourself grace and taking that time. So I want to put that disclaimer in for anyone who's like, oh no, this girl's toxic. She just wants to work, work, work. I definitely don't. I'm definitely all about treating myself. But when it's time to get to get ish done, I'm going to get it done. And that's it. That's what the blog's all about. Honestly, you bring up an interesting topic because like if I go onto Instagram right now, like someone is posting about that, about it being like, everyone's too busy, like worrying about the hustle and whatever. And honestly, I want to say that COVID in New York city has really given us an opportunity to re-examine what we call hustle. And whether or not, it doesn't mean that we're like constantly working guys. It doesn't mean that we can't put our phone down. It means that we just know that by working a little extra harder, that's how we're going to make sure that we can ensure we meet our deadlines, that we can, you know, get that paycheck at the end of the day and pay for our super expensive rent and do our Trader Joe's haul and go to Marshall's and all the things that we love with like totally being normal. And I mentioned all those things because the first word in Casey's bio says affordable style finds guys. So That's like super important, especially if you live in the city. Look, we all want to walk around with like the most luxurious things. I'm sure who doesn't want to like, you know, it's like if you were a kid and they, and you tell your mom, you never wanted the Barbie dream house. You're a liar. Of course you wanted the Barbie dream house. What are you talking about? Like your dreams, your goals are so different when you enter adulthood. Like in terms of a timeline, you go to high school, then your dream is to go to college or your goal is to go to college at least for most part, like if you don't go, that's, you know, we're totally support that as well, guys. Cause yeah. there's a lot of famous people that don't go and, you know, get to, you know, where they want to be. So, you know, it's like, you're always should have like an end goal. And I think that's where your hustle culture should go through. It shouldn't be for anybody else. It should be for what you want your end goal to be. Yes. 100%. You have to hustle for your dreams and your goals. Don't hustle because Someone said you shouldn't be sleeping because billionaires don't sleep. I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. You know, don't do it for people on Twitter or Instagram saying that like the early bird gets the worm. Like don't do it for them, do it for yourself. And because it invigorates you and makes you feel accomplished, you know, I mean, work hard for your goals, be relentless in the pursuit of them, but also remember to take time and like do a face mask on Sundays. Fine, There's a challenge. Definitely. Definitely. Obviously we've like gotten a little sidetracked, but just like really owning in on like career and hustling and all of that, which I think again is all relevant. And I hope that the audience really like it sinks in for them because it is, it's a common topic that we're hearing nowadays. And I feel like the word hustle is like literally attached to New York city so many times. So it's definitely important to kind of hear from people here that, you know, are, you know, yes, it drove you to move to New York city or it's still caught like driving you if you don't live here to move to New York city that's still here. FYI, New York City is not dead for anybody that's thinking that too. No, 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 guys. We need to, yeah. (laughs) The city is just fine. I just heard that again last night that New York is dead and it's a, what do they call it? Like a graveyard or something. Like New York is fine. It's doing great. We're all out here, you know, living our best masked, socially distant lives and it's fine. It's going to be fine. It always is. 
Yeah. I, I think it's just, again, learning how to pivot in a different way. Like, you know, obviously we've all been brought on with these different challenges. Like so many things have happened, you know, to generations before us. It's just, I think that, you know, you're never prepared for these things. So you kind of just have to like roll with the punches and then, you know, figure out what's, what's next and figure out what's this best and safe way to, to, you know, go about what's next and what you want to, you know, keep doing. So I want to go into one of my favorite segments of the podcast, which I like to call the all about New York section. Love it. And which it's funny because I realized that even on your blog, you have kind of like these quick facts, which kind of, it's like basically all your favorites. So it's that, but a little bit more in depth. So which everybody, FYI, check out Casey's blog. It's very, we've already hinted at some posts, but honestly, it's, there's some really good stuff there. So what are some of your favorite places in New York City? And this is open to anything, whether it's restaurants, museums, neighborhoods, kind of like just like your go-tos. Yeah. So this one, it's like embarrassing to even say, this was a little bit tough. First, it was tough to think of all my favorite places because we've been in a lockdown for since March. So I haven't been to a lot of these places in forever, but then once I started going, I was like, all right, stop the list. That's enough. You have like 10 things. Um, but so some of my off the top of my head favorites were for restaurants, we'll say Jacob's Pickles. Oh my gosh. Have you been there? So many people have said it on the podcast and I've never gone. I think it's because the word pickle isn't it and I don't like pickles. Okay. I don't like pickles until like this year, but don't worry about that because you don't have to even get the pickles. They have incredible food. So my boyfriend is Southern kind of whatever. He's Southern. His family is Southern. And so thanks to him now, I love Southern food. It's like my favorite thing. Jacob's Pickles is the best Southern food in New York City. I'm putting that out there right now. Bold statement, but it's happening. Uh, It's on the Upper West Side for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about. If you're in New York, go to the Upper West Side, go to Jacob's Pickles and get the, what is it? It's the biscuits and sausage gravy or the chicken and pancakes. Oh my God. Okay. I could talk about it literally all day. It's so mouthwatering right now. It is incredible. I'm pretty sure they have outdoor dining happening right now. So it's safe to go to. Yeah. So that's the best restaurant. My other fave, a lot of these are brunch places also, by the way, just because I'm a brunch girl. The other place that I love and have been to in forever is called Friend of a Farmer. And that's in or right by Union Square, which have you been there? No, this is why I ask people though, because I'm creating a master list (laughs) because I've been here for so long that it's, again, you always find these places that you haven't gone to. So that's honestly the beauty of New York city too. It's like, you're never (laughs) bored with like places to eat. No, you're never bored. There's so many places here. And it's sad because like, you'll find your like five favorite places and you keep going to them. And so now I've gone Jacob's pickles in front of a farmer a thousand times. And it's like, there are hundreds of restaurants, thousands of restaurants, like try something new. But um, Friend of a Farmer is great for like a quick brunch. They have incredible pumpkin pancakes that I cannot recommend enough. So it's a really cute little restaurant. I think it's two floors and it's, like I said, right by Union Square in Manhattan. So definitely stop by there if they're still open. I hope so because they're kind of small. So I'm nervous that COVID might have hurt them. So hopefully not. But if they're open, definitely check them out. Uh, Another favorite you guys have probably seen on instagram it's called levain bakery and they have the best cookies in the city again another bold claim but i'm doing it i'm just going for it today <laughs> have you had levain bakery cookies yes they're really good they just opened one in williamsburg that i went to 
Yes, yes. They right have next a- to Sweet Green. Oh my gosh, and they're huge. Have you have to. I mean, if you if you are near a Levain Baker, you have to get the cookies. They are like, they're huge. They're so good, and you just can't go wrong. Um, other quick favorites because I'm like running on and on about all of these things. Smorgasburg in Brooklyn is a food festival that happens usually in the summer, but they also sometimes extend it into fall, and they'll bring it to like an indoor venue. It's amazing. It's so fun. There are all these different food tents. Oh, again, with COVID, they didn't have it this year. So who knows? But next summer, if it's back and you're in the city, check out Smorg. It's amazing. They also have an Instagram. And then obviously, I love Central Park. I don't think any New Yorker is like, I hate Central Park. Like, it's, it's just the best. It's so beautiful. It's huge. Huge. You can get lost in there. I have. I've times. talked about that. I've gotten lost in there. Yeah. <laughs> Happened to me when I first moved here. I was like terrified. Got somewhere on the east side, something. And I was like, where, where am I? Where's the train? I was so confused. It's so big. There are so many paths. And it's like, if you're meeting a friend there, I mean, thank God for Google Maps now and like live locations you can like see. Because literally I would just be like, which corner? Like what light post? It's, it's huge, but it's beautiful. And it's iconic, obviously. So many things have been filmed there and shot there. I mean, you could just, I could be there all day. Uh, finally rounding it out, Alamo Draft House is this like fancy movie theater in Brooklyn. And basically you get, a, so you like a table at your seat and you order your whole meal from, waitress, from, from a waitress or a waiter. And it's amazing. They have alcohol, they have boozy milkshakes, which I highly recommend. And I mean, it's just so much fun. It like takes the whole movie experience up a notch. So I'm really missing them. And I hope that they make it through all of this. And one day I'll be back. I mean, I think movie theaters are supposed to open. I don't know what phase we're in at this point in in the city. Um, But they're supposed to be opening soon, I want to say. I love Alamo. First of all, the fact that they're even here in New York City is such a rare concept. I love watching movies. I'm a big movie buff and it was such a cool experience too. I think it's, it, if you don't know, it's kind of weird because you just walk in and there's like no normal concession stand. You just get your tickets and you just go into the movie theater. So the first time I, we literally like walked around cause I was like trying to find the concession stand and I was like, okay, someone didn't tell me like the ticket person did not tell me like shame on them. And then when we finally figured it out, I was like, ah, like as soon as we sat down, we like figured it out. Or like there's menus in front of us. I was like, okay, I get it now. Menus with appetizers and salads. And oh, it was so good. I, I think I got mozzarella sticks and I was like, oh, praise oh. be. Like, th- like yeah. yes, it was so fun. I, the last movie I went to see there, which probably has been a while, was John Wick which I'm a big action movie girl. It was like something I used to watch action movies with my mom all the time. Like, you know, all those nineties movies like Beverly Hills Cop and all those things. Maybe those are eighties. I don't know. What I love about the Alamo Draft House, if you haven't gone, is that the intro is different than when you go to a normal movie theater. You don't necessarily get normal previews. They sometimes do behind the scenes of the movie that you're about to watch. So that's what they did with John Wick at least. So since it was the third one, they gave like behind the scene things of one and two. The third movie starts five minutes after the second movie ends in terms of a timeline. They had like a special narrator and it was so funny because she was just like basically making like fake gun sounds like poo poo. But it was a very fun experience. Again, like, you know, you can get your booze on, you can eat and it doesn't have to feel like, oh, stale popcorn again. Like it's actually like really good. I mean, it's great. I I think this is the first theater I've been to that does the whole like service while you're eating. 
which I mean, it literally blew my mind. I was like, this is the best. I can't even go back to regular theaters now because all I want is my like reclining chair with my table, my boozy milkshake and my mozzarella sticks. And that's what I want to do. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the last movie I saw there. This is going to be embarrassing. I don't remember what movie it was, but I can immediately think of um, Frozen 2, okay. which I'm like, did that come out this year? Because It did, but didn't it like go like straight to, I don't, I just remember it going like straight to Disney Plus, but yeah. It was out for a second, but I think it got released on Disney Plus early because of COVID. So yeah, it must've been Frozen 2 was the last thing I saw there. And I mean, I was just in Disney heaven. I love Frozen. It's incredible. I mean, it's Disney. Come on guys. Like you'd have your spots, but you know, Disney's still there. We've talked about a bunch of different places, obviously some to add to the master list. So five years since you've been in New York. So what are some of those things that you kind of love and maybe do air quotes for hate? <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, well, no, I mean, again, New York's amazing guys come here if you're thinking about it, but yeah, I mean, you definitely have a love hate relationship with everything and the city is no exception loves i love the energy everyone talks about it because it is such a tangible thing i mean we're not making this up so many people cannot be making this up right you it's just unlike anything i've ever experienced and still to this day i've been here for five years and if i go into Times square on like a good day when i'm feeling you know adventurous and not annoyed <laughs> i i mean the energy there is it's it's intoxicating it's amazing it's just like wow you just feel brand new again being here so the energy, the people, <laughs> New Yorkers kind of get a bad rep sometimes being kind of rude or aggressive, whatever. But I don't know. I just, I've come to love them. I, I'm so fascinated by everyone and their stories. I think it's amazing that we live in this city with millions of people and everyone's here kind of doing their own thing. So I'll be in a park with a hundred people one day and we all go our own separate ways. And there's a hundred different stories happening now. And that's, that's just, I think that's just so cool. And there's nothing like people watching in Central Park for a day. Um, I love all the opportunities and the possibilities. Like they say, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And I feel like that's so true. Um, I love the history of this place. Every corner, I feel like, has so much story and so much history. And I mean, every place you can point to almost any building. They're like, oh, that was shot in an SVU episode, or that was in Gossip Girl, or that was in Sex and the City. I mean, it's, this city is like, just, ah, I mean, it is history. It's amazing. It's incredible. I, I just love that. And finally, probably number one, the bagels. I just love a New York bagel. Whew, if you haven't had an authentic New York bagel, guys, next time you're here, go to a deli on the corner, like any deli, get you a bagel. With cream cheese, definitely. And I mean, you won't regret it. It's amazing. <laughs> um, onto the hates. I think these are pretty easy. I hate the subway, actually. I really don't like it. I don't miss the subway at all. I haven't taken a train since March and I don't miss them. So, bye. Uh, <laughs> Uber's have been great and they've been giving me some discounts. Uh, I don't always love all the smells. Sometimes, you know, you're in a big city. There's there's things that happen outside that don't smell great. So I could live without the smells and the outrageous rent prices also are on the hate list, but they're like a necessary evil, right? If you want to live here, it is what it is. So eventually they become just part of, part of life and you don't realize that it's outrageous how much you're paying. Definitely. I think it's also paying rent is just part of adulthood. 
that we're all experiencing. So it's like you're in your twenties, you're going on your thirties and it's kind of like, Oh, this is what our parents have to deal with, <laughs> but they're like dealing with mortgages. Um, so obviously still, I, I obviously, I'm sure there's like a huge gap difference between like Philly and here, like a hundred percent. So yeah, I mean, it is what it is guys. Sorry. That's like always the disclaimer here. Um, when it comes to that, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that outweigh those like negatives and like, you know, those hates, like the bagels, the bagels make up for it guys on a bad day, a bagel or a bacon, egg and cheese. Oh, you from forget Bodega, like that's it. Like at any hour, they don't, at they don't stop that. Hour. They don't stop that. Like, I mean, I'm gonna need you to know they don't stop that. Like you can go at any hour and be like, I'm having a bad day. <laughs> this is what I need. Listen, let me tell you a bacon, egg and cheese at 2am after like a night out. hits different. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Even the morning after that and like not even oh. coffee, like a crisp, cold can of Coke. <laughs> sit right there for me that's it right there yeah, coffee, I, feel like, I know I've, I've i've had this like soda thing for so long i drink soda before i drink coffee i mean soda's common but like i didn't drink coffee for like a very long i didn't drink coffee in college guys like okay. there's no i was not a coffee drinker the highest coffee caffeine i in drank was a chai and that's not even <laughs> And not like a tea bag, like the actual chai that's already like a mix. <laughs> so it wasn't until afterwards that I figured out what coffee was like. And then I was like getting like red eyes and I was getting like all black. I don't put sugar in my coffee. Still don't. Oh, so you are a real coffee drinker then. You're above me. Okay. I still like a little bit of sweetness in there. No, everything over here. The only thing that goes in is oat milk and it's not even the vanilla one. It's like the, the <laughs> original unflavored. Yes. Original, unflavored, unsweetened, and it has to be like a certain brand because even though we have a lot, I know we need to like keep up with the marketing guys, but you know, some of those other brands, there's a lot of sugar in them. Like the ones that are just like the generic milk brands that now are oat friendly, mm. they're all sugar and that's they so taste cool. weird. Like you should, you're, it shouldn't taste like you're eating oatmeal or drinking oatmeal. Like that's yeah. not, no, <laughs> not fun for anybody. Casey, I want to just ask you any like last minute advice that you want to share with the audience, anybody, you know, living in New York City, anybody just trying to take a leap or, you know, try something out that's different? Hmm. So I think my first tip, if you're moving here, I will say that the apartment hunting process is tedious and stressful, but just be prepared, you know, come in ready to put down a payment or put down your like deposit. Yes. Life <laughs> literally everything you have <laughs> you're right kidney um no but be prepared to put your money down your all of your application documents everything when you see an apartment that you love apartments here go so fast i mean you will see an apartment be thinking about it for an hour afterwards and next thing you know it's gone literally in that hour that you that you took to think about it so i would just say in my i've apartment hunted twice now here in the five years and I would just say check the apps frequently. You never know. Things get listed literally all day, any day. So I checked them honestly multiple times a day and that's how I got my current place, which I love and I'm literally so thankful for. So definitely just make sure you're checking the apps all the time and have your money and documents ready because when you find your place, get in there and get it. Because like we said, this is the first big step. Once you get your apartment, smooth sailing. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, have, second, um, 
Oh, sorry. I was going to just interrupt you real quick before you give me another piece of advice. The documents part, guys, it's part of adulting. If you have a job, last two pay stubs. Like, just know that these things are not scary. Like, you have this. I mean, if you are working, you have this. If it's your first time apartment and you don't have this, and you're going to need a co-signer because you definitely don't have any other thing to represent your income. So... And I have to call up that parent and <laughs> ask them for one more thing on the long I mean, list you of might things. Be just because, I mean, the rent, what is the requirement here? It's like you have to make 40 times the rent. Oh yeah. The, some of the requirements, I feel like those are fake <laughs> laws. Um, <laughs> once you figure out the process, but I do agree, like the apartment searching is challenging and you like a neighborhood your friends are in too, ask them. Be like, how did you find it? Like, is there something in your building? Like not being a stalker creeper, but like, you know, they're your friends. You want to, you're like, hey, I want to live in this neighborhood too. It'd be way easier for us to hang out. Just start asking them. Like, you know, you never know who's just like not resigning their lease or who's moving out. You know, that could always happen too. No, that's so huge. I'm so glad you said that. So I live in Brooklyn. We've been in the same neighborhood here since we moved in 2015. And that's because our best friend from college actually moved here two months before us and he moved to this neighborhood. And so me coming to New York, I'm like, I'm living up East side like Blair, which really I, I quickly realized is out of my price range, unless I wanted to get a teeny studio, which I didn't. So nothing wrong with studios, by the way, they can be awesome. But I live with a man and I was like, I'm not living in the studio <laughs> apartment with a man and a cat. So we, Took, we took a little, you know, train to Brooklyn, saw his neighborhood, and we're like, oh, okay, Brooklyn's cool. It's not how they portray it on TV sometimes, and we can be here. And now, five years later, we're still here. So definitely, you know, see where your friends are. If you have friends in the city, stay with them, walk around their area, and you never know. That might end up being your new home, which is comfort for me. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So kicking back off, last piece of advice, you know, we just had to, like, let people know about the renting situation, though. That is really important. Yeah, we could talk all day about that. Last piece of advice. Uh, okay, I have two. So <laughs> we talked about it a little bit already, but just a reminder that it's never a failure. It's just a pivot. The city and the world are just full of so many opportunities and you just have to go out there and find them. They don't always present themselves quickly or in the way that you would want, but they're definitely there and just keep looking. Keep your head up, like you said, or down if you're really focused and hustling and just stay the course because, you know, Maybe your path isn't linear, but no one's is, and it's going to be just fine. So just remember that you can make it. It's going to be okay. And I mean, I guess that goes for anywhere, but especially New York. The city's tough, but it also loves you, and it'll throw you a bone. So just keep your eye out for it. And finally, just again, if you're thinking about moving here, you feel even a slight call to be here, I mean, you owe it to yourself to make it happen. Get here somehow, whether that's, you know, saving for the next year or two years and before you move or just taking that leap of faith, getting your credit card and getting here, you know, not endorsing, you know, irresponsible financial decisions, obviously, (laughs) but do what you have to do. Get here if you feel pulled here because this city isn't for everyone and everyone doesn't feel that pull. That's something that I actually learned a few years ago, which sounds strange to say, but I just felt like everyone wants to live in New York. I can't imagine not wanting to live here. And until my cousin was like, yeah, I've never wanted to be there. It's like kind of a hard city. I was like, what? What do you mean? So everyone doesn't want to live here, but if you do, it is worth it to make that dream happen. And maybe you don't stay forever, but even those few years that you do stay, 
will just be so enriching and so integral to your story and you just never know what can happen so take that chance take the leap it's always worth it yeah i i think um just to finish off with what you said it's not like we've we've mentioned this before like yes it's not for everyone and you might be like oh those people don't exist (laughs) they do like they do and that's totally fine too like you can succeed and you can like do whatever you want to do elsewhere like it's not because like so many people are saying oh new york city is the place to be like it's it doesn't have to be that way for you like everyone are gonna have their own like unique story like their unique journey and that's what's gonna make you you that's gonna be like the most authentic way it's you know stay on your path and like make sure that again you're the focus so what we mentioned before if you're hustling it's for you not for anybody else mm-hmm. exactly Well, Casey, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I would love it for you to share just anywhere um, people could find you in the audience, like if they're interested in getting some of the hustle tips and, you know, seeing more about your lifestyle in New York City. Yeah, of course. So as I mentioned, my blog, The Pretty Little Hustler, you can find that at theprettylittlehustler.com. Don't forget the the on the front. I am on Instagram at theprettylittlehustler as well. And same on Facebook, but we don't really use Facebook, so... If you don't use that, don't worry about it. But Instagram, you can always find me. You can always find me on Twitter at PLH underscore blog. And this is actually a sneak peek for you guys, I guess. You might be able to find me on YouTube in the coming months. So oh, look at that. We're going to get some FaceTime with Casey. That's exciting. <laughs> Insider scoop, guys. You heard it here first. Okay, so... I will make sure to link all of these down below in the episode notes. So wherever you're listening, Spotify, Apple, whatever your favorite platform is. And also if you go to the podcast website, realisticallywithliz.com, there will be a blog post all about Casey, all about the episodes. Oh, thanks Liz. This was so much fun. This is my first podcast. So Woo, we popped that cherry. Done. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. As always, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Realistically with Liz. For more on our guests, visit our website linked in the show notes and check out our Instagram page at Realistically with Liz. Don't forget to rate and review on your preferred podcast platforms and we'll see you here next Saturday with a new episode.